And hey, hey, how about the worship team? These are all servants right here. Good job, guys. Good job. See, you don't, you don't realize that the church can't make it just with a pastor. You need servants. And the highest honor you can have is to be a servant. And these people serve. You have people serving. And see, you, you forget at times, but see, I don't. Because when, you're, when you kind of run a church, you look at lights. You listen to the sound. And you have people you never see back there that are doing the screens and doing the lights and changing the colors. And I want to thank all you tech people, which you do. I know we don't see you, but you do a great job. Great sound in a church. Wow. I'm in a live church. Good. I'm, I'm, thank God I'm not in a dead church, you know, because I've already had a resurrection. I don't need another one. Okay. So you can be seated. God bless you. Good, good. This is my beautiful, dear wife that prayed me back to life right here. And uh, Debbie, this is, this is a great honor to be here. And, uh, and uh, I, I, today, before we ever start, you already, I want you to build your faith up to believe. You're going to hear a story that is, is unbelievable. Um, doctors cannot, uh, they can't explain it. They, uh, they don't, uh, there's nothing they have in their medical understanding to explain what happened to me and why I'm alive. Uh, there's no reason I should even be talking to you. I'm supposed to be totally brain damaged and not have any kind of, I probably have a little bit of it, but you know, I mean, <laughs> where... Where I'm not, in, I'm supposed to be on a feeding tube. I'm supposed to be, if I lived, that was that was the result of where where I was. And so and you're gonna hear you're gonna hear several things today. But uh, Deb, I want you to just share a little bit because you, you know I I didn't see it. I was dead, so I couldn't see anything. But she's the one <laughs> that actually viewed it all. Uh, yes, um, but it's gonna be great today. So I feel like the Lord is telling me to uh, write a little book that has all the details of this story because what God orchestrated is just beyond anything I have ever imagined or seen. And I've seen God do so many things. I mean, I have an amazing testimony about having so much fear and rejection that I could never stand in front of a group of people. Uh, and God set me free. But And I've had supernatural things all my life. But I have never seen God do something as big as this. And while he is telling you this story as impossible, like I, I heard and saw negative reports all night long that night. The first 12 to 16 hours was horrendously hard, but yet God intervened at every, yeah. sec every section of this. And, and he had 0% chance to make it, 0% chance to make it. But I'm going to tell you, if he doesn't get it emphasized enough, I'm going to tell you, remember this while he's telling the story. What saved his life were the prayer meetings that were going on all night long yeah. at our church chapel, at our church sanctuary. They, they went from the chapel into the sanctuary as they grew in the uh, hospital uh, chapel and in the waiting room. They were prayer meetings. They weren't quiet prayer meetings. We don't have quiet. You're a praying church. Yeah. We don't have quiet prayer meetings. I don't know about y'all, but yeah. we jump and we dance and we worship the Lord and we praise yeah. the Lord and we pray and we decree and we declare and we take authority. And I have an entire altar team. The Lord has used me for prayer and deliverance at this church. Anything I do, I always give all the credit to God because remember, I was this little girl that was full of fear and rejection and intimidation until I was 36 years old. And then I became this lion that God did in my life. And if you want to know, 
If you well, want to read about that and somebody needs some help in that area, guess what? I told what? him to put a little book together. It says, I live to set you free. I said, bring it's a couple powerful. of those. There'll be somebody yeah. that need that. That'd be in a bad And I'm going to write one now about the story, and I'm going to name it. God gave me the title the other day, While You Were Sleeping. While um, I was sleeping? While You Were Sleeping. So what, what you've got to remember is it wasn't doctors and nurses and medicine. It was, it was God. When he was left in a room to die, we found out in the emergency room, when he was left in a room to die with no one in there in triage number nine, it was God that kept him alive. It was the prayers of, I take authority over the spirit of death. And so let me pray right now. Father, in Jesus' Amen. name, I thank you right now for every person that came together this yes, morning Jesus. and gathered together, God, because they love you, not because they didn't have anything else to do, because they love you and they honor you and they want to serve you. And I pray that today, God, they would be filled to overflowing and urged Hallelujah. and nudged and pushed into another dimension of prayer over their own lives, over their own families, because nothing is impossible with God. We believe you now, God. We place a demand on your power as sons and daughters of the Most High God that this service, God, there'll be signs, wonders, miracles, healings, yes, and yes, deliverances yes, Jesus. in Jesus' name. Yes, amen. Jesus. Amen. Come on, get ready, get ready. Thank you, babe. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, let me start here. Pastor asked me to share a little bit about the, the two, two miracles. One is, of course, the miracle of getting saved. And then I'm going to tell you about the resurrection here. And uh, the, reason, the reason I want to tell you this is because uh, several of us here in this church, how many of you were not raised in a believer's house? Nobody was saved in your house. And you're, you're, how many of you are first-generation Christians? your first generation of your family. Oh, me too. Uh, I, I'm not from California, from the fruit and nuts. I'm not from that place. I'm from Louisiana. And you leave alligators in the swamp. I don't know why God moved me out there, but I, I'm from Baton Rouge, from New Orleans. Born in Charity Hospital in New Orleans. And so all my cousins are down in New Orleans. And all, the, all my cousins, that's what that cousin. All my cousins are from New Orleans. So I'm an Ocajun. Berto's a Cajun name. French Caden. And so that's where I was born. And I was raised, some of you might have been raised Catholic. I, you know, my, my parents sent us to the Catholic Church and so forth. And so we go to Catholic Church. You do your hour there. Dad give us a dollar to put in the plate and that kind of thing. And you go through. Never had a Bible. Never read a Bible. Never was a Bible in my house. Never knew any stories. I couldn't tell you who David fought. Didn't know who Goliath was. Never heard of Samson. Never heard a Bible story. Uh, never read the Bible. Never, never did anything at all. But just go. And then after a while, just kind of quit going, just like a lot of people just quit going to church, my sister and I. And so there were two things that I did, two things that I did, and that I started picking up the guitar and playing in the seventh grade. Now, I, I, in the seventh grade there, there was some big big bands coming out then, back then, and so they, they had people like Cream and, and Deep Purple and Jimi Hendrix, then you had all the funk stuff, I like funk music, and, and some, some of you are going to have a lava lamp, I guess, and, you know, and have a flashback. And so... So I would play, and then I, I learned to play. I had, a, I had a Jimi Hendrix wig. I had a fro. Bro, I had a fro. I actually hear the white man had a fro because I liked how he could move, and it would move. It would wave to you as it moved. And so I, here it is. I, I, I got a Jimi Hendrix psychedelic vest with a fro on, and I would play behind my neck because Jimi Hendrix could play behind his neck, so I'm going to play like him. And then I did that and also football. Of course, football is huge here, uh, but it's, it's huge in Baton Rouge. Of course, LSU is the whole 
State there as LSU. And uh, so football is something my dad did and so forth, things like that. And he always watched it. So, and you can see size-wise, I'm not the biggest guy there was, but I wanted to play football. And, and I realized that, that I was very fast. Uh, I, I don't know if I was scared more than fast, but I was scared, so I ran fast. And I would just outrun people. And so, <clears throat> so uh, I started playing. My dad enjoyed it and so forth. Didn't any, nothing, nothing church, nothing Christian. My family's from New Orleans. Mardi Gras, okay, does that give you a picture? Swamp people, does that give you a picture of my relatives? Okay, there you go. So this is, this is where I'm from. And, uh, and I wanted to please my dad, so I started playing football. And as I started playing there, I realized going into my senior year in high school, we were the Broadmoor Buccaneers. We had a ship cannon that used to shoot a real cannon in the end zone when you made a touchdown. Well, I was averaging two touchdowns a game my senior year, so they eventually started calling me Boom Boom Berto. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. And so they called me, they called me Boom Boom. And uh, so they started putting Boom Boom Berto because of, because of touchdown. And uh, I, my, my dad got laid off, and he, he, didn't, uh, he, he wanted me to go to college, and I said, well, the only way I can go is get a football scholarship. So I ended up my senior year, uh, I was an All-American running back. I was one of the top five running backs in the state. Uh, could have gone to LSU, Alabama, Tennessee, all these different schools. And uh, I just didn't want to go that far away, uh, but I, didn't want to, I wanted to get out of Baton Rouge. I just didn't want to live in Baton Rouge. And they had a guy that came on the cover of Sports Illustrated that just graduated, number one draft choice to the Pittsburgh Steelers named Terry Bradshaw. Bradshaw is on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I'm a senior in high school, and we get Sports Illustrated at my house. And so I'm looking at, I said, God, Dad, Dad, look, the, the, the guy's from Louisiana, number one draft choice to the Steelers. He's the number one from Louisiana here. Terry Bradshaw has got the blonde bomber like this on the, on the cover of the thing. Two hours after that, I get a call from Terry Bradshaw. He calls me at my house. He said, are you Boom Boom? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm Terry Bradshaw. I'm like, Dad, it's the guy on the cover. Dad says, let me talk. He said, he didn't ask, he didn't ask for you. And so it's so, a... So I said, Dad, I said, yeah, Terry. He goes, hey, I understand you're a good ball player. I want you to come up here. So I went up, make it short. I signed a, a scholarship there. I go play up in Louisiana Tech. And they recruited more athletes. We had more NFL players there than LSU did back in those days stuff because Terry Bradshaw really brought in some big, big players back in the day. Didn't know anything about God. I meet a Pentecostal preacher's kid, an Assembly of God preacher's kid that's a quarterback. And he, he comes in. He's from the north. And he wants to meet me because he's heard about me. So the first day I'm at school, listen to this, first day I'm at school, he comes up to me. He's named Denny Duran. And Denny goes, are you Boom Boom? I said, yeah, who are you? He said, I'm Denny. I said, hi, Denny. He goes, are you saved? I said, I said from what? Saved from, what, are you, what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. He goes, are you born again? I said, well, I guess I'm supposed to be a Catholic. I'm a Catholic, I guess. You know how you say you're a Catholic with everything. You're not a you're a Catholic. He goes, have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart the Lord Jesus to be saved? I said, are you a preacher or something? He goes, yes, I'm a preacher. I said, I'm in Mardi Gras, Denny. I'm raised in Mardi Gras. My parents, my relatives, everybody smokes, everybody gets drunk, everybody curses, everybody fights, and then they hug the next morning drinking Bloody Marys. That's my family. Come on, anybody can relate to that? I mean, just, just chaos, and, and then we make up later. And I said, that's what I said, I've never seen anything else. So I, I, don't, I have no idea. And uh, so Denny... Denny, God just laid, laid me on his heart. He was like, okay, this guy here, he's the, he's the, he's the leader of the sinners here. So we got to get the leader of the sinners. And he's, he's got about three people. I've got 40 following me. 
<coughs> he came in one time my freshman year. He tried to scare me. Knocks on my door. And I didn't want to talk to him because he'd come witness to me. And I, he'd knock on my door. I said, uh, who is it? He said, Denny. I said, Denny, I don't want to talk to you about the thing. I don't even, I'm not going to get saved. I'm not going to be a Christian. I'm not going to do that silly stuff there. I'm not doing, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about it. And he goes, I got to talk to you. I said, what, are you quitting? He goes, I got to talk to you. So I let him come in. He walks in my room my freshman year. We're in the dormitory. And he looks up at the ceiling. And so I started looking up. I said, what are you looking at? And he said, the rapture. Now, I never heard the word, so I, I thought he said rap, rafters, the rafter. So I'm looking at the rafters. I said, the rafters? He goes, no, the rapture. And I made the mistake of asking him what the rapture was. So here's this Pentecostal preacher, and, and preach, he's preaching at 17 all over the country. He gets in his stance like this. It's just me in the room, nobody else. He gets in his stance like this. He goes, the rapture? Good question. That's when Jesus will appear in the clouds and in a twinkling of an eye that we're going to be caught up with him. And if you don't go to heaven, you're going to burn, baby. You're going to burn. Do you want to go to heaven with us? I'm like, wow. I said, Denny, I, and I, I didn't want to hurt his feelings, so I said, uh, I, I, I'd like to go with you in the clouds, but I told my mom I'd finish school first. Let me, let me, I have three more years, and then I'll go with you in the clouds. I'm like, weirdo, get, you know, get, get out of here. Third year, here's what you don't understand. Truth is something that the Holy Spirit uses to recall in people's lives, truth. When you speak to somebody, you're not speaking to their faith face, you're speaking to their spirit. Several of us would not even be in church if somebody in the church did not come out and get us. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are people like me that would not be a Christian and not be saved unless you left the church and came to find me and talked to me about the Lord. Yeah, but they won't receive. That's not your decision and your choice. You got to plant the seed. Because what would happen, let me tell you what, how the Holy Spirit does. So Denny would tell me truth. He'd tell me about this. And then I'd lay in bed at night and I'd hear him talking to me. And I thought he had some kind of ESP or something. What is he doing? How am I hearing his voice in my head? Have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart? Have you, I'm like, what am I hearing this? And the Holy Spirit would work on me. I didn't believe there's a hell. Of course, everybody in the world, hell's a party place. It's not any kind of, it's not a bad place if you're, if you're not a Christian or anything. You think it's just a party place. And so I went through this. I, 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 I would live this way. I was his biggest nemesis. He posted on his door the top 10 most unsavable. And I was number one. Boom Boom was number one. That's, that's how bad it got. We got into my third year. Third year. And uh, they were having a Bible study. They were having a little Bible study and had a third year. Then he uh, talked to me about coming to the Bible study. I said, no, I'm not going. We were going to do this thing, a splash day. Everybody's going to go to the spring break. Everybody goes get drunk, go do does this thing, all the football players. I'm leading this down. There are 20 football players doing this. This was on a Tuesday night. And on a Tuesday night, he came in and asked me to go to the Bible study next night. I said, no, I'm not going. I said, it's boring. I don't want to go. To, I'm not going to church. I'm not doing anything at all. And what happened is, is that he, he, uh, he said, if you just come one time, I'll never ask you again. I mean, no, it only takes one time to, for, it only takes, I'm just telling you, it only takes one time. But the night before, what happened to me before I got saved was I had a dream. Don't have dreams, don't have visions. I'm, I'm that kind of guy, but I had one. And when I have them, they're, they're as real as you and I sitting here. We were driving down. God showed me what was going to happen to me on Friday. To this day, I know I'd have probably died on Friday, my junior year in, in college. I would have died. And he showed me I was going to die. 
And we were driving down, we're all drunk, my, my, my football player friend's drinking, loses control of the car as we're driving down to this, this uh, splash day thing down at the beach. Car begins to flip, hits a tree, explodes. I'm standing in front of heaven. Jesus is standing at a gate, and he's like this, looking at me. And I'm just like, wow, this is incredible. This is, wow, I've never seen anything so beautiful. This is incredible. And uh, Jesus says to me, he said, who are you? I said, well, I'm Boom Boom. Of course you know me. He goes, I don't know who that is. I said, I'm, I'm Glenn Berto. He goes, I don't know you. Then I said, do you know Denny Duran? He goes, yeah, I know Denny. But who are you? I said, uh, what do you, you don't know me? He goes, you didn't listen to me. Listen to what I'm about to say. What do you mean I didn't listen to you? He said, I told you what you needed to do to get right to come to heaven, but you didn't hear. I said, God, if you had ever spoken, you and I would say, if God ever spoke to us, we're not going to deny, oh, well, I'm going to listen to what God has to say. I said, when did you speak to me? He said, I spoke to you through the guy named Denny Duran. Did he not say my word says or God's word says? That's me talking. He's just the postman. He didn't write the message. He's just delivering the mail. That's all he's doing. And he said, you didn't receive that. I said, so what does that mean? And then I heard depart. A floor went, went just like this. It opened like a trap door. And as it opened, I'm free falling. My body is free falling. As I'm, as I'm going down, I'm, I remember doing this, trying to see movement. There was no movement at all, just pitch black. As I'm falling, I'm feeling heat. I'm feeling a burning. It got so bad, my skin starts melting off of me where I feel like I'm, I can't take another, I can't take any more pain. And I wake up. I wake up and I, I kind of, you know, I'm trying to get my bearings where am I at. I don't even know where I'm at. It was just so real. And I, as I woke up there, I realized that my, my shirt was sopping wet with sweat. My hair was, was sweaty. Everything, I was just sweaty. And, 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 and I went over to my, my little dormitory mirror and I turned the light on and I had heat burns on my face. And I had sweat as if I was going to hell physically, going to hell. And it was the first time in my life I looked in the mirror and said, there's a hell and I'm going there. The first time I ever thought that. But still, that wasn't enough for me because I was too hard-headed because, uh, you know, I, I didn't have anything else at all. But the Holy Spirit began convicting me. And two nights later, I walked in my dormitory room and Denny walked in. I said, Denny, tell me the truth. Is it really God has the ability to change everything and make my life better? Is that really real? Come on. Because, uh, you know, Jesus is up there with Daniel Boone, Robin Hood, and all the greats up there. I thought, you know, he, he's a great guy. But, you know, to change your life and all of a sudden you're a different person? You got to understand in the world, we don't listen to Christian music. We don't listen to gospel music. We don't listen to preaching. We're not looking at Instagram Christian stuff. We don't look at any of that. The only connection we're going to have with God is you. You're going to be our connection, and you're going to be the way we have revival. This church here is in a place. We're right on the interstate. Thousands of people drive by. Don't care. We're meeting at all today. Not turning in. Their cars are not turning. Nobody's doing that. They need you, and they need us to walk outside the church and be the lights of the world instead of the lights of the church. Come on, church, amen? Okay. He said to me, I said to him, I said, Denny, I said, tell me the truth. Is my life really going to change? Can it be better than what it is? He didn't hesitate. He said, absolutely. And I'm in my dormitory room, 21 years old, my junior year, just won a national championship, and I feel a hand on the back of my neck pushes me to, my, to the ground, and I'm kneeling down. And he says, go ahead, pray. He gets all excited, pray. So I prayed, our Father who art in heaven, how to be. He said, no, you know another prayer? Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord. <laughs> and I start praying in my Catholic prayer. 
He goes, do you know another prayer? I said, I, don't, I, I can't remember the other one. He said, just ask the Lord to save you, forgive you of your sins. It was as simple as that. April 30th, 1973 in Hutchinson dorm room, 201, 11.32 at night. My life was changed from that day to the day I stand right here in front of you. I've never been the same ever again. Old things pass away. Everything became new. I haven't had a drink for over 45 years, haven't cursed for 45, and immediately my life was radically changed. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, folks, this is what our world needs. We don't need another law. We don't need another president. We don't need another government thing. We need God to enter into our society, change our world, change our society, and change our culture. Amen? I know I, know I got the right church. I know I got the right place here. Okay, now, 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 here's the story. Here's the story. Here's the story. Uh, 11-24, November 24, I'm preaching in my church. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm preaching a message. I'm, uh, I'm getting ready to, to, to go and get into our church there. But before I do this, I want to give you five things here very quickly that I learned. I'm going to give you my points of my message very quick, okay? And then I want to get into the story. Is that okay? Here, here's number one. We'll do this quick, guys. We'll do this. And this is, what I, this is some, what I came out of this. God is the only one who could take something bad, make it worse, and call it a promotion. All right. You get, by your laughter, I know you get it. <laughs> you get that. You can look at everybody. Look at Abraham, look at Jesus, look at everybody. He takes something bad, makes it worse, and then, okay, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use that. Pain, pain, is gonna, pain is part of your, your growth. See, God's not going to look at your trophies when you get to heaven. He's going to look at your scars. He's going to see what you walked through and that you didn't give up and you didn't quit. How many people are not here because they went into some trial, some situation, and they said, oh, God's not there? Some of us got to realize we've got to be strong in these last days to be able to make it. So we've got to go through and get toughened up a little bit. Amen? So we've got to walk through things. And so here's number one. Go number two. I've got to go quick. Success is measured, listen to this, by, it's not measured by what you've done but what you've left undone. All of us here... See, God brought me back apparently for a reason. Uh, and it's not to go ahead and to repeat what I've done, but what have I left undone in my life? All of us are breathing here. You have a purpose. You have a reason that you're alive right now breathing. There's a reason and a purpose. It's not for you to sit soaking sour. Okay? Because sitting Christians hatch hypocrites, so you don't want to do that. So you are to do something. Do something. Serve. Get involved. Get in prayer. Do something. Because you are here. You say, well, I'm sick, I don't feel good. You can pray then. You can do that. But get involved because you know what? You are still ministering and God wants to use you. Everybody said amen? Okay, let me give you another. We need a second opinion. A lot of this is from Lazarus here. Thank you, doctors. I thank all my doctors and medical people that are here, but I've got another doctor that has the final say. Whatever happens, come on, you know what I'm talking about, in my life. I've got another doctor. Thank you, doctor, for the prognosis. Thank you, but I have a scripture that my God doctor says that I can claim that by his stripes I'm healed. Amen. I can hold on to that. Amen. So, so I know I have a second opinion. I appreciate what you say, but I've got, a, I've got a book here of opinions, of God's opinion, and this holds weight here. Amen. All right. All right. Oh, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to tell you. You can be resurrected, but still have your grave clothes on. Wow. Lazarus came out. He's coming out. 
but he's still wrapped up in grave clothes. And I've seen people, seen churches, pastor has too. You go in and it's like we're singing, but nobody's getting it. We're worshiping, but nothing's happening. And we still have our grave clothes on. And this is why we need one another. This is why you don't sit home. And I understand some people are watching online and you have to because of some illness. We understand that. But that's why we gather together. We've got to gather together. Because how could Lazarus roll the stone away by himself? He couldn't. I couldn't do it. In my, my, I needed people to roll my death stone away. I couldn't unwrap my grave clothes. I needed other people to do that for me. This is why you are so valuable. Don't ever think you're insignificant. The devil's going to tell you you're not important. You're insignificant. You're not going to contribute anything. You have nothing of a gift to contribute to this ministry. Wrong. It's a lie. Everybody here has something you can give and make this church even greater than it's ever been before. Amen? Okay. Okay. All right. You ready? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't, I, I, you're still here. I thought you left. Okay. <laughs> On a Sunday, November 24, I'm preaching at our church. Um, I'm going to show you the video. I'm going to show you the video of preaching. I'll show you the video of me in the hospital too. I'm preaching at a church, uh, do, do several services. We have a building like this too, and, and uh, just uh, you know, great people just like you, and the church is just wonderful. And uh, we do it, we, I think we were in a thing on finances or, or something like this, and they started playing that song, money, 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 they started playing the song. So I come out and I kind of started dancing a little bit, you know, because I'm a Cajun. And, 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 and in New Orleans, everybody, you hear music, you dance. You kind of dance. And, and Now, I didn't want to show off, because I could, but I didn't want to show off. So I just did a little bit just to show, show them, like, I can do this. You know, not, you know I, can, I can move a little bit, because I grew up this way. So I started. So what I'm, tell, I'm showing you is the day before I died. This is what I was doing. I'm in our church on Sunday morning. And I'm preaching this message here. And I have a few little clips there, and you'll see that. And this is what I was the day before I died. Watch this. <clears throat> Stop it right there. Stop there. This, this, this is great. This, I call it the ten-finger prayer. Ten-finger. Do this. Everybody do this right here. Hold your hands up like this. Let's start with our thumb here. And say, say the scripture. Ready? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ten finger prayer. There it is, right there. Two words. You've got to look at the scripture. We look at through Christ, but it's I can. If you don't believe you can, it's not going to happen. God can already. We don't need to ask him. We know he can. We're the problem. We got to believe. Over and over again in the Bible it says, if you believe, 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 you can have it. We skipped it if you believe and we want to have it, but it has, we have to be involved with that. Amen? Okay, okay. Let me show you this. Here's Sunday, Sunday at church, me preaching, 1124. And to set this up, you have to have a theme song. And so let me just play our theme song here that we have. See, not too much. So God purchased you by his blood. 
using a currency and bought you back and said, now I lost you, Glenn, and I bought you now back, so now you're mine. Oh, God, here's my money. Oh, God, here's my, here's my watch. Oh, God, here's everything that I have. Here's all I have. You know what? That's still not enough. I still love. All of it belongs to him anyway, so am I really giving him anything? The only thing that's precious that he wants is not your junk. He wants you. Yeah. Who would have, who would have thought that uh, when we tell you that you're not guaranteed tomorrow that that's a real deal? Right there, I'm, you look at me, I look healthy. I look good. I've got energy. And who would have thought less than 24 hours I'm dead? Never, never in my mind. I'm not, you know, I'm not like overweight, out of shape in a sense, and, and I have some issues. I've had, I've had all kinds. Only thing I haven't had in my life is leprosy, just to let you know. And thank God, Jesus, don't give me that too. I don't, I don't, that's the last thing I need. No, but I've had everything there is, uh, coronary artery disease. I've had the Widowmaker, defib uh, heartbeats, uh, pneumonia, valley fever that kills you. Uh, prostate cancer. Uh, I don't have time to tell you everything. Okay, that's a few. And so, been through a lot of things. So here's, here's this. The next day, Debbie has, my wife has her prayer meeting. She has a prayer meeting. Now, I wasn't going to go because I was tired. Now, I kind of know why I was a little tired because of what happened. But I was tired. I didn't want to go. I said, let me stay home and rest. And she goes, but they're doing a birthday party. The only reason, they're doing a birthday, pre-birthday party for her. Her prayer team has given her. She goes, I want you to come. If I would not have gone, she'd have come home two and a half hours later, found me dead sitting in a chair. I'd have been sitting in a chair dead. I'm driving all the way to the interstate, 30 minutes to get to the church. Could have easily had a cardiac arrest then. Cardiac arrest is different than a heart attack. Cardiac arrest is instant, just like this. It's a light switch. You're alive, dead. I could be standing here, dead. Cardiac arrest is, is your, it's done that quick. And so we drive all the way to the church, go into our pastor's area like this. Debbie's getting ready for a prayer meeting. Then we have to go on the other side of the church for her birthday party. I walked out a minute before her, sat in the car. She's a minute behind me, sits in the car. When she sat in the car, I'm dead. My head is back on the seat like this. Uh, you might be able to see the, the 700 Club just came last week, did a reenactment on the whole thing. It'd be, it'd be out in April. You might look for it in April. And so my head is back like this, and she hears me do just, uh, just like a last breath, like a... <sighs> and she's shaking. She says, come on, Glenn. She just saw me. She goes, come on, Glenn, quit playing around. Let's go over to the bird. We got to get over to the other side of the church. And she's shaking me. I'm gone. She gets out of the car, comes on the other side, and says, Glenn, wake up. Come on, come on. What's, what's wrong? And I, I'm not, there's nothing there. Then we have a lady named Penny. And didn't know Penny. I didn't even know Penny. Debbie, did you know her before that well? Okay, Penny, I didn't know Penny. Penny's from Canada, is a nurse practitioner, and didn't know this. She's a 25 year cardiac arrest nurse in our church. Didn't know her. She come, never comes early because she's always working. Ends up showing up early, parks on the wrong side from the birthday where the birthday's supposed to be, parks on the right side, though, where I am, two, two cars down. Debbie's shaking me in the front seat of the car. Penny walks out of the car, is walking in the church. She hears Debbie say, Glenn, wake up. Glenn, wake up. Said, the Lord tells her, go, you can help pastor. Penny comes over to me. And she says, I put my fingers on your neck. You have no pulse. Open your eyes. Your eyes are dilated. You're dead. I know exactly what happened. You had a cardiac arrest. You're dead. She said, I pulled you dead weight out of the car, and I started CPR. I started CPR on you. I broke all the bones in your chest because you got to do that. Some of you, met, you know that. you got to break all the bones. She's doing five minutes, which is a long time. She says this. After five minutes, the Lord says something to me. He's never said in 25 years. She says, take your hands off of him. 
And so he said, I took my hands off of you. He said, you opened your eyes, threw your hands up and said, oh God, and you went back and died again. And I said, well, Penny, have you ever seen that? She goes, you're dead. How are you, how are you throwing your hands up, opening your eyes? I said, well, then what, what, what happened? He said, the Lord told me your spirit went back in your body. You had no spirit in your body. You had no spirit. He said, but it came back in. And when it did that, I knew I couldn't quit. And I wasn't going to let the paramedics quit. She goes five more minutes. She goes 10 minutes, which is a long time. They don't usually go that long on you. And we have now a crowd that's gathering around because it's a prayer meeting. We have all these, we got hundreds of people now standing with me, laying on the concrete in the parking lot of our, our church. I'm laying on the ground. The paramedics come. They have to work on me 30 more minutes. I die seven times during that time. Back and forth seven times I went. They said even at that time, I just heard last week when they did the 700 Club interview from one of the, that, that Penny said, said when they tried to put the mask on you, you were trying to knock it off and, 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 and trying to breathe. I said, well, how, how could I do that? He said, you can't. You don't have a pulse. You don't have a pulse at all. He said, your spirit was fighting death. Now, listen to what I'm about to say. There's a difference between dead and death. Dead is the grave. Death is the spirit. What do you think is causing all the problems in our world today? That's the spirit of death, right? Spirit of the Antichrist is death. What's causing divorce and drugs and hate and all this? That's the spirit of death is what that is. See, that's death. Dead is the grave. So there's a spirit of death. Lazarus had a spirit of death, but he didn't die. Okay, so, so I was in this place here at that time, and it was this spirit of death that was fighting. They finally, 45 minutes, and some of you in the medical field would never go that long, 45 minutes, the captain of the paramedics said to stop two or three times, said, please leave him alone. He's gone, let him go, and I'd have been gone. So after the seventh time, they felt they had me, had a little bit of pulse. They moved me over to the hospital, which is right across the street from my church, and I died the eighth time in the emergency room, in eight time. And ironically, the number eight in the Bible, are you ready for this, means resurrection. And look it up, Google it, whatever you want to do. It means new birth, new beginning. It means resurrection. And so what happened is I was too far gone. Now I, I've been without oxygen too long, so they don't want to hook me up to anything because there's another nurse that came in named Juan. Now listen to this story. Here's Juan. Juan is a guy, I don't know who he is. He's a, a travel nurse drives up two hours up to our city and drives back home two hours. He's wondering why does he have to keep doing this? All of a sudden he's in the emergency room and he sees my name up there and I didn't, I didn't know who he was. I, I met him after you know, I came back and I said, uh, uh, and, and he, he said, I, I would come into your room. Everybody was negative, nobody wanted to hook you up. They didn't hook you up to anything. They just laid you in a bed and they were gonna walk out and tell your wife we did everything we could and didn't do anything because they felt they had eight other people they could save their life quicker than yours. And so they laid you in a bed. So I don't know, it was just a miracle how I was even alive with nothing hooked up to me and no oxygen during that time. And he said, he said, I would go in and I would start singing worship to you. I would put stickers of scriptures where the nurses were real negative and they didn't want to do anything and hook you up. They were, they were, it was too much trouble for them because you were too far gone. And I would go in and your blood pressure would start moving every time. I said, well, Juan, do you know me? He said, 10 years ago, you came to my city two hours away and you called me out. I came forward and got saved in your meeting and you called me into worship ministry and I'm a worship leader right now. <laughs> who would have thought out of all people? Who would have thought? All people, this, this is the guy that God gives me. The whole time there, of course, my wife is hearing nothing other than uh, just say goodbye. 
Just go say goodbye. There's nothing you could do. We have zero chance. There's, there's nothing that's working. Nothing in my body was working. And, uh, and, and eventually what happened, they, they started hooking me up to whatever, the ventilator, put me in a coma, paralyzed me, put more needles and tubes in me. I'm going to show you pictures. I'll show you pictures of it to see. And they basically just, uh, the whole time was just, it's not going to make it. Calling my children. They live in different parts of the country. And you can imagine what a shock that would be. You know what I'm saying? To, for your kids to get a call and the dad that the, or mom or whatever or one of us instantly not knowing. You know, so it wasn't over a long period of time. It's just an instant thing and just, it, it, it just, it crushed people. It just crushed people. And, uh, and, and, and my family came all the way in, and all my family. One of the things I've learned here, folks, is that your blood relatives are the most powerful prayer people you will have to pray for you, your family. That's why the devil fights your family, split you up. Because the people that are closest to you, your blood relatives, they're, they're the ones that connected. And all my family, being first generation, thank God, all my family are in the ministry. So we started a whole new legacy of pastors now. Since I got saved, and that's what can happen in anybody's life. That's what I'm saying. We've got people outside these walls here. We've got some John the Baptist out there. We've got some people out there that can do some crazy great things if we just reach out to them. So here it is. So, so, so I'm, I'm basically gone. Everything is negative. Everything is bad. He's not going to make it. Even if he makes it, he's going to have brain damage, so forth, and things like this, and this would happen. On the, on the, well, let me show you this and I'm going to stop the video. So here it is. The next day, um, this is me in the hospital. I'm, I'm dancing one day, and next day, this is what I look like. Watch this. It's 11.25. Remember that, 11.25. 11.25. Stop, stop that there. Stop that there. Okay, that's, we're going to stop it. Uh, okay. Let me, this picture here, let me show you what's going on here. Around the, coming in on the fourth day, and we know Lazarus came out of the tomb on the fourth day. Around the fourth day, my wife is asking the Lord, said, God, give me, like you and I would, would Lord, show me something, give me something to hold on to. Give me a scripture, give me a scripture to hold on to. She wakes up at 4.30 in the morning, listen to this, church, 4.30 in the morning, she hears, I'm the resurrection and the life. Wakes her up. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the resurrection and life. She wakes up. She goes, oh, what is that? That's Lazarus. That's a little story of Lazarus. That's John eleven twenty five. I'm the resurrection and the life. If you believe, though you die, you will live. You couldn't get a better scripture, right, in the whole Bible. John eleven twenty five. I died on eleven twenty five. I died on that exact day, that exact scripture, that exact thing. So this is, this is the fourth day. Lazarus comes out of the grave. I'm paralyzed. I can't move. I'm in a coma. Uh, I, I've got a ventilator down here. And this is me. You can see. She said, what you did on that fourth day, you turned your head, which was impossible to do. And he said, you cracked your eyes open. I don't remember it. But she said, it let me know that you were there and that there was hope that you were still in there, you know, in a sense. And so this is just a picture. Okay, you can go ahead and show the rest of this. Yeah. It was all around the whole bed uh, with needles and hookups and everything. This is my oldest daughter, who's a nurse that was uh, came in from Florida. She lives in Orlando. It's my other daughter singing here, believing miracles. 
Here's a family with some of the grandchildren right there, my kids praying for me. And then they took the ventilator out and they called it Miracle Sunday. The ventilator's out now and he said he can breathe. It's shocking. We, we didn't understand. So this is me kind of, as the ventilator came out, and uh, I think here's me the first time they said, can you stand up? I said, I'm going to try. There's a nurse there kind of concerned. That's the first time I stood up out of bed, which they said you can't, you'll never be able to do. My, my wife hadn't kissed me, wanted to make out right there long, so in a long time. So that's okay, church, that's all right. And then We're I'm walking, walking and he's currently speed walking. They're shocked. The, the whole hospital is shocked. Speed walking. Speed walking. What a miracle. Sixteen days. I was supposed to be in over two months, they thought, if I stayed. 16 days I'm coming out of the hospital in December. That's all my staff, the staff at the church and the pastors. I'm alive because of you. I wouldn't be alive if you went into your prayers. I'm serious, I'm not playing. These are just some articles and uh, from around the, around the, people started praying from around the world and I've, I've been all around the world and preached. And isn't it amazing? It's... When they pulled the ventilator out, the doctor that's not a saved doctor, he said, it's Miracle Sunday. He just called it Miracle Sunday. He said, I, I, I can't believe that he's, he's breathing. And, uh, but he called my family together that day and he says, look, he's able to breathe on his own, but let me just tell you, he's got my whole family and he said he's gonna have brain damage. He's gonna be on a feeding tube. He's not gonna be able to speak. He's gonna be a vegetable. He's not probably gonna walk again and so forth. My son says, well, doctor, you have a good story you can tell? Anything good that happened? He goes, 1993 he goes back to, all the way to 1993. And he said, 1993 there was a lady, wasn't as bad as your dad, but she lived, she had complications, but she, she made it there. And, uh, but not, no, your dad's a lot worse off. He said, uh, he's, he's gonna have some problems. My whole family stood around with faith and said, well, I guess, Doc, you're going to have another story to tell. You're going to have another story. That's the kind of family you need, amen. We need that. We need a family like that. And he said, that's, that's what's going to happen. And what happened is, is that I remember, because I didn't know that I was brain damaged. <laughs> I didn't know. But I didn't know. And so when I could hear, but I was still under a lot of, I was in a lot of, the first thing I remember is pain. I was just, my kidneys were not working. My kidneys no working. My bladder's not working. Nothing's working in my body. Everything's run by machines. I had nothing working in my body. And so I remember hearing the doctor trying to find out if, I, if my mind was still there because I could hear, but I was awake, but I was in a lot of pain, a lot of medicine. And I could, he said, Glenn, Glenn, uh, where were you born? I said, where were you born? He goes, what city are you in? I said, what city are you in? Why are you asking me these stupid questions? And he goes, I think he's okay. He's all right. I think he's back. And from, from day one, I, I, I was talking back, could comprehend, and they're like, they did all the tests and stuff. No, he's got brain damage. They, they, everything that they did, I was in the hospital for 16 days. It was over $2 million it cost. Thank God for Medicare and, uh, and Blue Shield. 
$2 million of what they did as far as they had to put a defibrillator in. I had, I had all kinds of things that they had to do. And they can't exp I make all these doctors say miracle. They don't like to say miracle. I, I make them say miracle because it's just a good word to say. Now, let me tell you this part here. I didn't get to tell this in the early service. People want to ask me, did I see Jesus? You want to know if I saw Jesus? No, I didn't see him. But I'm going to tell you what I did see. He gave me a whole nother, he gave, gave me a whole nother picture I haven't heard anybody get. I went in a, I went in a room of death. I actually, went, I saw death. Um, it's as real as you and I, right here, I'm telling you, it's as real as you and I right here. I mean, it's this real. It's not like a makeup or anything. It was, I was there. What happened was, is I went into a pitch black room. I'm sitting down in a room. See that, homie? I don't know if that, no, I'm not going to try it. I'd be in the hospital again. I don't want to ever do that. <laughs> and so, 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 uh, uh, what was I telling you here? Yeah, okay, I went in the room. Yeah, I got messed up on it. So I go into this, I'm in a room, and I'm sitting here like this, church, and it's pitch black. But it's a room where I feel like you ever, you know, you know somebody's behind you or somebody's in the room. I knew I wasn't alone. There are people in the room with me. And, and I wasn't awake yet, I, w I hadn't woken up yet. So I'm having, I'm having this vision. And as I'm, as I'm there, I'm sitting in this room. I said, where am I at? I don't know where I'm at. And I look across the room, and there's like a door. I could see it was a door because I could see a light that, that kind of outlined it on the outside of the other side of the door. It's like this, and I could see the, the shape of the door. There was a figure that was walking back and forth, blinking. It was, I could see it blink, but I couldn't tell the shape of it because it was too dark. And I'm, I'm there, I'm like, where, where am I at? I don't know where I'm at. And what's going on? This thing is blinking. All of a sudden, in the distance, you've had hurricanes. In Louisiana, we have hurricanes, tornadoes, tornadoes. You hear that sound. It's so deep and rumbling. I started hearing that, a deep kind of an earth shaking, just a rumbling, this sound. And it's in a distance. And I'm like, I can't make out what that is. What is that? It starts coming closer and closer and closer to the room. It starts getting louder and louder. As it started coming to the room, I started hearing people's voices. And it was people praying. I'm dead, I'm hearing people praying. But see, I wasn't dead, I was just in the spirit of death. And so here, here I'm hearing people praying, I hear my wife pray. I'm hearing my pastors pray. I'm hearing my friends pray from around the country that I know. I hear people from around the world that I know. I'm hearing and I know who they are. I can hear them. And they're saying the same thing, death, you can't have him. Death, you have to let him go. Death, let him go. God's not through with him. And there was a demand put on the spirit of death is what it was. As that was happening, I saw this thing now is walking faster. Now it's walking, now it's, it's like a nervous walk, I see. All of a sudden, it got so loud, deafening, about, about 10 seconds, I didn't see it blink. And it comes over to me and grabs me and takes me and takes me to the door. And I tried to see what it looked like. And he pulls the door open, comes behind the door, said, get out of here now. You got to get out and threw me out. And I came out into the light. And when I did, I woke up. I said, okay, God, I, I don't get that. What, 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 are what are you doing here? What, what was that about? I said, listen, listen, you've heard the scripture. Doesn't it say it's appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment? Then how, how am I alive then? Why was I not judged? And God said to me, how long is then? You ask your son to mow the front yard, mow the backyard, then you're going to have supper. What time supper? You don't know. How long is when? When I was a child, spoke like a child, acted like a child. When I grew up, what age did you grow up? When's the when? 
So that little word then was something that was a time, there was a period of time there between death and dead that we could pray and we could believe and ask God to do a miracle. And so I said, but, but God, how was I able to come out of that? How, how did I come out of death? And he said, it was only the prayers, listen what I'm about to say, and what y'all teach here, it was the, only the prayers of those with authority. Now hear what I'm about to say. This, I mean, this is, this is the Lord talking to me. I'm downloading, downloading this to me, explaining the situation. He said, only those with authority. I said, what do you mean? I said, he said, come on, Glenn, you know the Bible. Uh, take the seven sons of Siva. What did the devil say? Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And God said to me, most of the church are who are yous. And he said, they don't get, that death doesn't have to listen to them at all because there's no authority. And to have authority, that means you're going to have to go through some wars and you're going to have to beat some people up. You're going to have to fight some devils. You're going to have to climb some mountains. You're going to have to cross some hard times. You're going to have to go through some deserts to be able to speak some of these things to get your miracle. Some of you can't remove a pebble, but you've got to move a mountain, God says. You have the power to do that. So you and I have the power to do this if we have the authority to walk through it. And I had people in my family that had authority to put a demand on it and say, death, you can't have him. You've got to get out of him. You've got to let him go. God's not through with him and demand that. Get authority. You've got to get involved, church. You can't just sit and watch this. Get involved because there's a time you're going to need a miracle and that miracle is going to need authority to be able to push it out of the way. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You've got to have that in your life. That's why, get in a prayer meeting. I don't know how to pray. You'll learn. You'll get around it. You'll learn how to do it. Just get around people and all this. But I wonder at times what people don't, they just don't get what they need. And so I say, this is, this is what God wants me to do. God says, look, you grew up, Glenn, many of you, some of us older here, grew up with old Roberts and we grew up with all the miracles. We don't see miracles anymore. You know that? Yeah, have you noticed that? We don't see miracles? You realize this book is just, what is this a book of? Is this a book of just philosophy? Or is this a book of miracles? It's a book of miracles. I mean, the, the, the book starts off with dirt. And makes, he makes a man out of dirt. That's a pretty good miracle. And then, and, and, and it really bothers me, people that have pride and think there's something. Do you realize when you die, you go back to dirt? The only thing special in you is the breath of God. Take the breath out and you're still dirt again. This book is just a book of miracles. But we don't see miracles anymore. Why? We don't hear about miracles anymore. We have good teaching. We have, we have, we have persuasive words of human wisdom. We have that. Where's the demonstration? And God says, this is, this is a new season for you. You know, I pastored for 45 years. My son's now taken over. And I'm in a new season right now. My season is, is that now I'm praying for people to receive miracles. How can I not do that, right? I mean, how can, how can I not believe in what he did in my life to believe for you and to see that happen? And these stories that are in here are not just good Bible stories that we tell each other and say, isn't that great and that wonderful? I want to see these things take place. You know what I'm saying? I want to see the miracles take place. And I, I believe God's going to do some miracles today. Amen. How many believe that? Amen. You believe that? Come on. How many believe that God can do that? Stand your feet. Stand your feet. Stand your feet. You, you, know, you know what's ironic about this? Let me, let me show you this. I had this up here. 
I wrote a book before the cardiac arrest on miracles and healing and all things. Look at this. Here's a book. My good friend John Bevere forwarded. It's like, why am I not healed when God promised? Boy, is that a question that all of us have asked? Especially as a pastor, we're dealing with people all the time for years that are hurt and so forth, sick and ill. Why am I not healed when God promised? I write the book. It hadn't gone to print yet. It was finished. And then I died. And, and it wouldn't have sold real well after, you know. <laughs> then I come back, and then they said, okay, we're going to send it to print. I said, but wait, you have one more story. You have the resurrection story I've got to put in it. And so I have, I have my wife, me, and my three kids wrote a chapter of what it was like for my kids to see their dad. I just cried when I read what they wrote. 17 hindrances to healing. You only think it's faith. No, 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 it's 7 to 16 more. This, this is some buy to get it, get it to somebody, anybody sick, anybody. This was special about this is I wrote this for you, but it was for me. When I needed to live, I wrote in my own book. It's what I needed. And who would have thought that the author was writing about his own miracle and healing? But I know this, I know this, uh, this will bless you and any of your friends and things like that, but uh, I've been, uh, only been about four weeks that I've felt better in over two years. I, I'm just starting to kind of go out and travel. I've only spoken to my kids' churches and things like that. I've seen tumors removed. I have people that will FaceTime their uncles or dads that are at home and bring their phones up to me and said, would you pray for them? You know, I find, I found out church that probably 50% of you are going through something in here. You're walking through some kind of illness, sickness, or whatever. And the thing that encourages me is that you still get up and you come. No matter how you feel, you still get up and you come and you honor God. There's going to be your day. Your day's coming. Your day's going to come and He's going to honor that faithfulness and He's going to touch your life and He's going to change some things. I guarantee you, I'm telling you, He will. I'm telling you, He will. He will. He's going to do that. And I believe that God's brought me back to do this and to bring back some miracles back to the church and to pray for you. I don't get the shoulder hurt, hurting the, the time, about four or five times I've shared this now. I'm, I'm gonna be sharing a lot, but the people that are at the altar, it's not like my knee hurts or my shoulder, and that, that can happen, that's okay. I have stage four cancer, two months to live, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, leukemia, heart, Arteries, it's, it's some things where doctors, thank you doctors, but there's a place that you can't go that place. You're too far. Some of you in that place today and you came and you have hope today. All I can do is ask the one who does it. I can't do it. But I could just ask him to flow. Oh, just, just to flow through me to help you. See, church, you don't understand. Everything that I lived for was to preach and help people, and I couldn't do it for over two years. I couldn't, I couldn't do what I was called to do. 
and I got to say this because it's going to help somebody. I would go into, for those two years, a dark place, a hopeless place. I would go into a room of death again. I would be all alone. I understand suicide. I wouldn't commit suicide because my family's too strong. I know what it feels like, though, to think about it. I know what it's like to go into a hopeless area and where you don't care about anything and it's dark as can be. Two doctors told me I have PTSD by the things I've gone through if I explained everything to you. That, and I'm like, I, I don't have that. I don't have that at all. But apparently, it would bring me to a place that was hopeless. And I just want to tell you, that hopeless place, you'll come out of it. Don't stay there. It's a temporary spot, but you're going to make it. You're going to come out. And that's just the devil trying to rob you. But you're going to make it. And you're going to make it because I made it. And if I can come out of what I came out of, you can make it too. And I pray it encourages you for the rest of your life. And you never forget this. Bow your, bow your heads, bow your heads, bow your heads. All over the building, all over the building here. This is the first thing I want to ask. You don't know for sure you're right with God. I know we got a lot of good people. You're in church right now. Good people. But if you died right now, just like if I, right now, you had a cardiac arrest. Are you sure? Okay, positive, 100%. You're going to heaven. If you're not sure, let me see your hand. I want to pray for you real quick. Come on. Raise your hand. God bless you. Who else? In the back. God bless you. God bless you. Balcony. Balcony. Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Just, just simple. It's real simple. God bless you. Yeah. God bless you. Pastor, what you want me to do? Just pray for him right there? Okay. Pray th let's pray this prayer first, and then we're going to pray a healing prayer. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, let's pray it together. Say, save me. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. This day, I surrender everything. I give it all to you. I choose you more than anything else. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. How many of you need a miracle today? You need a healing today? Come stand forward. Come stand down here for a minute. Come stand down here. Come on. I'm going to have my praying wife down here too to help. You have something. I don't, it doesn't matter what it is, what it is, what it is, what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't think anybody here has gone as far as I've gone, so that ought to give you hope. That ought to give you hope, I'm just telling you. That, that's, the, that's the reason. I, I don't know why God chose me. I, don't, I can't tell you that. But I'm glad he's given me another day. I really am. Because it was kind of over. I didn't know if I'd ever do this again. But just to be able to, just to, be able to help somebody is a blessing to me to have another day to live and just to see you and meet you is, is just I don't take it lightly anymore you know what I'm saying I don't, I don't take the days lightly I don't take my kids and all that lightly anymore because you never know let's take two steps forward here as do we have a lot of people here do we have some prayer people too up yeah Kim okay you have a prayer team because it's going to be hard uh, let, let me let me deal with this here Who, is anybody dealing with heart issues any heart issues Heart issues? Now, let me tell you my heart. Okay. I've got five stents in my heart, in my arteries. I've had the Widowmaker, 95% blockage. They put one stent in sideways that should have killed me. Doctor said at Stanford University, Stanford Hospital. And so, and I've got coronary artery disease and a cardiac arrest. Okay, so there's my heart. And I'm still up here running around. So what I'm saying is, those of you with hearts, lift your hands to the heart. Where's my heart patients here? Okay. 
Pastor, I'm not going to be able to come down to, to, to touch everybody, but I'm going to listen. Listen. There's faith in this room. This is a church here of faith. You have a pastor of faith. And what we have to do is believe. And you need to start saying, I can do all things. I can through Christ. Not through me, but through Christ. So we're going to pray for you. And when we pray, we're going to lay hands on you. And then I'm going to call out some other things, okay? Let's all pray together. This is our family, right? Come on, church. This church family, let's pray. Lift your hands. Heart. Heart issues. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray that, Lord, every heart, as you heal mine, you will heal them in Jesus' name. Come here, sir. Your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray for my brother. I pray for a miracle in his life right now in the name of Jesus. Power of God, touch us now. We're not going to leave without being touched by the Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Miracles in Jesus' name. Who's dealing with, anybody dealing with cancer here? Cancer? Cancer right here? Okay. I've been healed of cancer. One year I'm cancer free. I had cancer. And I don't have any more cancer right now. By the way, my bladder totally healed. By the way, my kidneys are totally healed. I'm not on dialysis. It's a, it's a miracle. But God can do it all, huh? Baby, what you have? Is something with you? And what's, what's your, what are you dealing with? Your kidneys are failing. Are you on dialysis? Are you you're on dialysis? Not yet. Huh? You're almost there. Anybody else with uh, baby? Come pray for her. She can pray. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your lift your hands. You know what? Ask the Father for it. It's not going to come from me. Uh, ask the Father right now to touch you. Oh, I feel the power of God. Jesus. Jesus. Arthritis, I rebuke arthritis in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that. The migraine headaches, I rebuke in Jesus' name. Back, I rebuke that back that's in Jesus' name. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I pray a miracle to take place. Thank you, doctors, but we have another doctor that has a second opinion. He says, by his stripes, we're healed. I, it's not that I have to be, the healing is already there for me. It's already been done. Just accept it right now. I accept. I receive my healing. I receive my miracle. I receive it in my life. Yes. Come on, let's, let's fill this place with the presence of Almighty God. Let's fill this place with, with healing. Let's fill this place with miracles. In Jesus' name, you pray for yourself. Ask the Lord to heal you. You ask him, you ask him, you ask him, you ask him, you ask him. Hallelujah.